This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. Episode 96 from the Subway to Shea studio in my office. What an offseason the Mets have had. This may be the busiest in my lifetime from the end of the 2022 season to the start of spring training. Just when you think they're done making moves. The Mets have made another this time. They extend a squirrel, and not your average squirrel. I'm talking about that flying squirrel in Jeff McNeil. That's right. The Mets have signed Jeff McNeil to an extension. And here to break it down with me is my good friend and co-host for this episode. He's the co-host of Till Mets Do Us Part on YouTube and wherever you subscribe to podcasts. It's Matt Ibi Ibanez. Matt, how you doing, buddy? And I'm doing great. It is always fun jumping on here to talk Mets with you, regardless of the hour of the day. Like we mentioned yesterday, we don't care about the time. We'll talk Mets whenever we do it often. So I'm excited. I'm pumped to be back on. And I'm pretty sure the last time I was on here, we actually were breaking down some things about some new happenings with our Mets. At that time, I believe we were talking about Chris Bassett who's no longer here, but he was a good man for a short period, as well as Adam, Adam, uh, Adam Arvido. So the fact that I get to come on again, talk about an extension for a squirrel, and a couple of other things as well is always a fun thing. Yeah, it seems like every time right around spring training, it's it's like a yearly event. But, you know, we've been in conversations throughout the year on Twitter through text. I mean, I, we're definitely going to have to do this a lot more often during the year. I mean, I had on your co-host, John Sapinaro, for a two-parter earlier on mm-hmm. in the uh, off-season. So I'm glad to talk. He, he, he definitely <laughs> could t- talk your ear off, uh, but I enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. Of it's course, great uh, mingling with both of you guys, and uh, we've become really close friends on here. So I appreciate it. And let's get right mm-hmm. into it. Jeff McNeil signed a four-year, $50 million deal, including a fifth-year club option that brings the possible total to 63.75 mil and that was per anthony decoma on mlb.com the extension year by year breakdown and this is per michael mayer i love how he breaks things down 2023 he's going to get 6.25 mil 2024 10.25 mil 2025 he's going to get 15.75 mil and 2026 15.75 mil and that will again happen if they pick up his option in 2027 and it includes a two million dollar buyout so let's talk about this deal Ibby, because we both had our thoughts on what a deal would look like for jeff mcneil mm-hmm. my deal given his age he was 30 years old and the fact that I really thought it wouldn't happen until he hit closer to free agency or until after Pete Alonzo got his Mm -hmm. deal. And it was in line with kind of what Daniel Murphy, that was kind of my uh, preface of what 
the deal could look like. And Daniel Murphy, after the 2015 season, got a three-year deal, 3.75 mil. He was 31 years old at the time when he signed that deal. So I thought, you know, once he hits free agency, I think he's going to be, what, 31, 32 it is. And I thought that maybe a three- to four-year deal around that range would be perfect for him. Now, your deal was exact on the years, but the amount was a little over. Tell us mm-hmm. about that as well as your reaction to what McNeil got. Yeah, I, I always like it was crazy to me because it's been the topic on Twitter where people were constantly trying to figure out the extensions for for Jeff as well as Pete, which we'll talk about that a little bit later. But with Jeff, I I was really just lost when it came to people's thoughts when, you know, I, I saw some crazy ones out there. They're like, oh, he's going to get like six years, a hundred and. $60 million. I'm like, guys, we got to understand something. And it's, this goes hand to hand with the, with my thought process uh, on, on the deal that I thought he would have gotten. It was to go with what you were just saying. The fact that he was going to be a lot older because he, he bloomed late. I mean, he started blooming out when he was like 26, 27 years old. So he wasn't going to be free until he's 33, really, uh, almost going on 34. So you figured you chase the money now, you take as much as you can right now because by the time he's free and the type of you know profile he has as an offensive player, it wasn't going to get him paid a lot of money. So what you're saying, you know, something along the lines of Murph, you know, when he was potentially uh, closer to free agency or even in free agency, I think that that would have been spot on, if not even less. Uh, so yeah, my, my initial thing I said was if he was offered four years, $72 million, he would have sprinted to that office to sign that contract as quick as he can. It comes in a little bit less, but even with the option, it wasn't too far off you know, with, with the option uh, bringing it over uh, over $60 million. So it was close in that sense. But I think this deal makes all the sense in the world and proper for, for his skill set as, well as, uh, as well as his age. I think he's going to age properly uh, you know, based on the, the basketball skills that he has. So, yeah, I'm not – I'm not as um, shocked as many people are when they're constantly saying that, oh, you know, you know, the Mets got a huge deal with Jeff. It's like, no, I, I think this was I, – I think it was in line and it was proper for what he should have got. Yeah, looking at the money and what McNeil provides, you know that owners and these teams, front offices, they pay for the premium of youth and power. That's that's where it all comes down to when you're going right. for a hitter. You pay for the youth, you pay for power. And looking at this McNeil deal, I think, and I think you agree with me here, it's a win-win for both. The Mets Absolutely. win, they get a deal kind of like what the Braves have been doing and, and signing their players. At, obviously, he's a lot older player, and that went well in hand with the whole situation, but they got the deal that they wanted. And it, mm-hmm. it's going to work out for them. They're not going to have to, you know, keep him until he's like 41, 42 years old. They can decide what they're going to do with him after that. And I think, if I'm correct, Tim Healy had mentioned on Twitter that there there is not a no-trade clause in this. So there's a possibility that, you know, maybe down the line he could be traded. I think right. that they'll hold on to him. We'll see what happens moving into the future. But, you know, this is a win for the Mets, and this is a win for McNeil. Like you mentioned, he's a lot older. Um, he doesn't provide the what MLB is looking for when it comes to the hitter these days, right? He's he's a guy that'll Absolutely, hit yeah. for average. He's a guy who will spray things. Look, McNeil this past season, he won the NL batting title, Silver Slugger Award, batted 326, nine home runs, 62 RBIs. He had a 382 on base percentage, 454 slugging, 836 OPS, a 5.7 war. 
He hit 336 with runners in scoring position and 308 with runners in scoring position and two outs. That's via John Harper of SNY.TV. I mean, you got to cash in here. Batting title, silver slugger, all-star. I mean, you got to cash in here, and Jeff McNeil did just that. Yeah, it made all the sense in the world just to just to continue and um, you know, just to continue the points that you were just making. And I put out a tweet, and I, I know you retweeted. I got a little traction on it. And, you know, I, I I'll just restate it right here. I said the best part about the McNeil extension is that it continues to let Jeff be what he is as a hitter. He got his money. No need to ever think again in terms of you know changing his approach, needing to add more power, or just overall change his identity. We saw the outlier season. It wasn't pretty. It had people put out some questions maybe, you know, is this guy losing a little bit or whatever. It proved to be the outlier season. He goes out the next year, wins a batting title. He goes back to being the Jeff McNeil that we knew and loved when he first came up, spraying the ball to all fields, not being too pull happy. And, of course, he, you know, he poked fun at it yesterday talking about the shift. Whether they shift or not, I'm going to put the ball wherever I can. I'm going to spray it around the field. This allows him to stop worrying about arbitration, about free agency, what could potentially lie ahead. He knows where he's going to be, and he knows his role within the offense. He can just go out there and be Jeff McNeil. Career 307 batting average, 46 home runs, 214 RBIs. I mentioned he was an all-star in 2022. He was an all-star in 2019, so two-time all-star. Let me know what you think of this statement, and I made this to Carlos on Twitter. He's a good friend of both of our shows. And uh, let me tell you, it's about you know the importance of McNeil offensively. And I said, I told Carlos, I said, I think the of the glue that holds the lineup together, right? What he does, not a lot of teams have or can because they're looking at sluggers. They're looking at home runs. And it, Jeff is, to reference Star Wars, he's kind of like the balance of the force, right? He's the balance right. in that lineup. No, absolutely. I, I, I feel that he is, to, to continue what you were just saying, he is something that a lot of teams don't have. I, I think of him as just another quarter in the merry-go-round. He's the guy that when you know comes up, he can continue something. It's not so much about, you know, hitting a home run or striking out. Though I think the game is trying to get away from that a little bit. I think hitters like Jeff are going to become more, you know, back into, uh, you know, get a little bit more shine moving forward. I think guys are going to try to, I think teams are going to try to find guys like him. Uh, obviously, it's not as easy because, you know, people over the years now have been trying to become more power dependent. But yeah, I, I, I just think he makes uh, a lot of sense for this lineup because he's a guy that, you know, especially when, you know, when you look at the early part of last year when this team was really chugging along, he was a guy that it was it was it was singling you to death. It was finding those gaps, and he was at the core of that. He really was just putting the ball all over the place. So he is something that is very important for an offense, regardless of how you build your team. He is something that any team should want to have, and we're lucky to have him for the next four years. Yeah, obviously the Mets could use another you know slugger in the lineup to kind of back up Pete Alonso. But, you know, you look at Jeff McNeil, you look at a very balanced hitter, doesn't have much power. The next level up would be a Starling Marte, who I think is the most complete hitter on the New York Mets. Bats for average, can hit for power, can steal bases. You know, you got your setup guy, your leadoff guy in Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Also, you can include, I guess, you can make Francisco Lindor also another type of, I guess, complete hitter. His mm-hmm. he he'll have his moments where he'll go on a slump, uh, but you know what we a saw, yeah. yeah, a little streakier. What we yeah. saw, maybe uh, I'm gonna say end of April through May and June, with the way these guys were hitting, 
not having to rely on power, uh, using the opposite team's defense against them, you know, pushing, sh- doing more bunts. How about that? They were doing that and, and spraying yeah. balls all across the field. Even Pete Alonso was doing it. He he yeah. kind of like grown into cut this Mike. P- yeah, he cut down the swing. Yeah. He kind of grown into yeah. that, you know, Mike Piazza-esque batter where he can hit all across the field. He could hit doubles. He could hit anything. And, you know, this team was really strong for so long, and it kind of got forgotten because of what happened in September and in that playoff game. And I think a lot of people forget that we lost Starling Marte for that month. And even through all that and into the playoffs, Jeff McNeil was still hitting. I mean, I was at game two, and he had some big hits for the Mets. So his importance to this offense cannot be denied. Uh, Another important part of his game is his defense he has improved so much his second base and left field the range he has worked on since 2021 and it has really paid off they've been moving Jeff around for so long and I finally pulled and they finally pulled the trigger for him to play second base kind of reminds me of when they did the same thing with Jose Reyes you know obviously natural shortstop but they moved him to put Kaz Matsui uh, at short messed up Reyes for a while until they finally decided hey you know what we got to put Reyes back at shortstop and you know he, he started playing better and he, he found his groove at short defensively and offensively. What are your thoughts on McNeil's defense, and are you surprised that he played so well last year? Not surprised at all. We, we, we often talk about this on our show as well, and, and John's always been a proponent of it, just talking about how, look, do we think Jeff is this, you know, do we think he's a Lindor-esque talent in the field? No, but he doesn't have to be. Like, if he, he is very strong every place that you put him. It's not as if you're going to lose anything in the places that you put him, whether it was at second, left, right, uh, third base, whatever it is. But the fact that they've really honed in, really, and, and putting him at second base and getting a couple spells maybe in a corner, but for the most part, playing at second, I think it goes hand-in-hand hand when a guy has a big year. There's a lot of consistency within his game from an offensive standpoint but also a defensive standpoint when you start moving a guy around and putting him in different spots sometimes maybe if they're not that great defensively it kind of brings them down a little bit it kind of brings down their whole entire profile uh, as a ball player but he had a lot of consistency he played a very strong second base so I'm not shocked uh, how he you know that he managed to put everything together I think a lot of us were were very much looking forward to Jeff having a bounce back here because the previous season was so so much of a letdown so much of a shocker to a lot of us so the, the you know the fact that he was able to go out there and do those things from an offensive and also a defensive standpoint like you're asking doesn't really shock me yeah and you know I'm assuming that a lot of 2021 affected him obviously he had gotten hurt he started focusing too much on the analytics and not on the game that got him here in the first place and I think it really affected him offensively defensively and then you move to 2022 and he I guess Buck just told him go back to you know what you were doing him Eric Chavez go back to what you were doing and that got you to this spot because that was the like you said it was the outlier year for him and he struggled in 2021 but he's been ever so consistent in between that so it was good to see him very much improve defensively, kind of like the way I, I see, you know, Pete Alonso at first base. Both of these guys looking to yeah. improve defensively. You know, you hear, hey, this guy's not good. At, let's make him a DH or, you know. But, you know, Pete, every time he makes a mistake, he always comes back much better. And to see his improvement, to see Jeff's improvement, 
uh, knowing that these guys are homegrown as well and a part of this, you know, Mets family it has been such a great uh, deal. And I hope to see, as we're going to see McNeil moving forward, we hope to see Pete Alonzo moving forward. Uh, once again, I'm here with Matt Ibanez, a.k.a. Ibby, the co-host of Till Mets Do His Part, alongside his partner, John Sapinaro, who you've heard on here recently. Catch their show live on YouTube and anywhere you listen to your podcast. I got to ask you, has your off-season grade changed for the Mets given this extension because my grade has I had him around you know a minus b plus but after this McNeil deal which I never saw coming and most of these deals the Mets mm-hmm. do we never see coming I, I gotta say it's a solid a for me yeah I, I not, not much is really like I, I had them graded high uh for this offseason in general I know people soured after the whole entire uh Correa debacle saga whatever you want to call it just I'm glad that's over mm-hmm. um but the uh yeah the grade itself yeah I was I was I was around the same place like an a minus and A and the McNeil thing, you know, it, it, it makes me happy and, and, and it allows me to say uh, that's solid A now for the overall offseason because going back to Nimmo as well, and I said this to John, I go, like, the biggest thing that this team needs to prove, or not prove, like, really establish to, you know, the homegrown players or the guys that have been here, the guys who have done it here, is the fact that this team has proven that they're willing to go out and bring players in and pay them. But it's also important to make sure that you know the guys that you have, you establish a core, and you take care of those guys. And we've seen that so far. They've taken care of Brendan Nimmo. They've taken care of uh, Jeff McNeil. You know that Edwin Diaz is going to be a fabric of this team for the next five years. And we assume that Pete is going to be next, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But it's, I, I just think the fact that you are taking care of your own, and it's not just taking care of your own because you want to say you're taking care of It's like, no, you're taking care of core players that are going to be a mainstay for this team and you can build around. So the fact that they've locked in Jeff, it makes Makes sense from an off-field perspective for the next four or five years. It allows your players down low, whether it's Jet Williams or others, to take their time. There's absolutely no rush. Let players develop as we continue, you know, along this, uh, you know, this uh, this long line of trying to be successful for a long period of time. This is all part of that process, and that's what makes me really, uh, you know, solidify that A for this offseason. You know, I think what gets lost uh, sometimes by Med fans is we always want that, you know, this shiny new eye. Object and Always. I think it was shaped into us by the Wilpons, right? They may get you one shiny new object every couple of years or every so often. And, you know, every year now that we have Steve Cohen and it's expected to bring in all these players and spend all this money, but you also got to do that with your own homegrown talent, especially the really good ones. And my thought process over the last couple of years was, yeah, I really want this, you know, I, I really would like to see Correa come to the Mets, or I really would like to see, uh, you know, Justin Verlander, even before he came here. Like, uh, all the big names, you want them to come, but always in the back of your mind, you have to remember, oh, Jake's going to hit free agency soon, and Pete's mm-hmm. going to hit free agency soon, and McNeil's going to hit, and, and those guys also have to get paid. Just because they're on right. the Mets, that doesn't mean there's going to be some hometown discount. They're going to have to get right. paid, and you always have to keep those guys that you want to stay here, you know, they got to come first sometimes. 
Yeah, absolutely. You want to make sure you take care of your own. And look, I, I think for a lot of Mets fans also, it, it's 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 that shiny toy. And then, like you're saying, making sure you take care of your own. Like for me, and I'm sure you felt the same way as well, prior to this ownership, prior to Steve Cohen, it was almost as if you had these great homegrown talents and you would say to yourself, man, I love, like we can go back in time. It's like, oh man, I love watching Matt Harvey. Oh, I loved watching Noah Syndergaard. I loved Zach Wheel. I loved all these different guys they had. And I was like, man, I better enjoy it now because I know they're not going to pay them. So eventually they're going to be gone. Like that was the mindset that we had. And <clears throat> now it's kind of gone in a sense because, you know, we're, we're so focused on all these, all these new toys, like you said, whether it's the Verlanders or the Lindors or the Scherzers and things like that. And obviously people having larger ideas uh, of the future as well, but it's also important to take care of our own. And now that we have an owner that can take care of our own, it's a good thing. Yeah. And some fans may panic over there being no deal with Pete Alonzo. And let's get into Pete Alonzo right now. Uh, that can still happen this off season. I am a little more doubtful right now that it will be but his deal is way more complicated than what Jeff McNeil has. You know, we're dealing with a younger player. He's a power hitter. We just talked about this. You know, more years and more money. And that's something that just doesn't happen. You know, I think he's going to take this year, which he got um, the arbitration hearing. I mean, he, he, you know, he didn't go to arbitration. They they settled on a deal, which was a pretty, was it a pretty, the, the, was it the number one for first baseman in history? I believe so. Right? I, I, I could have thought that I, I heard that. So. so, you know, he's going to get that deal, hold on to that, mm. probably wait until next offseason, and I'm sure that next offseason, the Mets are going to want to wait until they see what the price tag is on Shohei Itani and or Manny Machado. Now, they're not going to get both of those guys, but I, I'm pretty sure the Mets are going to try to hone in on one and then get this deal done with Pete Alonso. And I do think a deal will eventually get done, and I'll tell you the reasoning in that in a moment, but... You know, I got to ask you, do you think a deal gets done with Pete Alonso? Uh, to echo what you were just saying, I feel as though this offseason, like prior to the season actually starting, spring training around the, or pitcher catcher soon, spring training around the corner, World Baseball Classic, all this stuff going on, I don't think it happens this offseason. If it does, I'll do a backflip and I'll be ecstatic. But I just think that there's so much more, like you just said, a lot more money, a lot more years. This was a lot, a lot more cut and dry for Jeff. Older, shorter deal, uh, lesser money makes all the sense in the world for him. For Pete, there's no, there's really not a rush for him. We all assume he wants to be a Met for life. Pete Alonso seems like a New York Met. Pete Alonso seems like that guy. But I don't know if there's so much of a rush on his end. He might take it upon himself and say, hey, look, I'll go out and have 40 homers again and then see what I'm going to get paid. Now, do I think that Mets fans are shooting a little bit too high in terms of what they think he's going to get? I do. Uh, I think some of the numbers that I've seen on Twitter are a little bit outrageous. Uh, I think some of the numbers that have been put out by, if you want to call them pundits or SNY personalities, I think those are a little bit more uh, on target, and I'm sure we'll exchange our numbers in a minute. But, yeah, I, I think he will be a Met. I'm just not sure if it's going to happen this offseason. All right, so you said numbers, right? So let's get into yeah. these numbers. And I kind of took out – I uh, took out two outliers, right? You got the Freddie Freeman deal, right? Probably the right. top first baseman in baseball. Six years, $162 million. He's 32 years old when he signed that deal. Matt Olson, eight-year deal, $168 million, 28 years old. You look at Pete Alonso, and this is what I'm thinking right now. You're either going to go nine years, 185 mil, 
I don't know if they get to this other one that I'm thinking of, but these are the two. The nine years, 185, or they do 10 for 200 million because he's 28 years old right now. And I think he's way better than Matt Olson is. He's got right. more power. Uh, he provides more to the team. So that those are my kind of that's my kind of range right now for a deal. I've seen people say 210, 220, 250. I even saw someone say 300 mil. That is not happening. Yes, yeah, someone, I saw the 300 mil one, and that was a big part of our show a couple of weeks ago. I was like, these people are not, I think that, that, was, that was the same guy that said Jeff McNeil was getting six years, 165. I'm like, where are you getting yeah. these numbers from? Yeah, no, you have to kind of, you know, take out some of these other big contracts. Like, I, that's why I, got Daniel Murphy. He was the first person that came to my mind when I was thinking of Jeff McNeil. It was a short term. He's a lot older and it kind of made a little bit of sense. It was less years, less money, but if they went to four years, it was kind of going to be the same. So the Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson thing to me is the best comparison because I think Pete Alonso could be better than them. I mean, obviously Freddie Freeman is the complete hitter. Matt Olson, I think, is right under Pete Alonso. I, I guess I could be being biased because he's a Brave and the Mets, but I, I think Pete Alonso is better than Matt Olson. I think a lot of it also comes down to, and I was having a little bit of a back and forth in a good way with, with Michael Mayer on Twitter about this because he hopped into the comments when I was talking with somebody about Pete's potential contract, and the big thing that he brought up was the defensive standpoint. It's like you look at some of these other guys that are top end because I was talking about you know, Freddie Freeman's getting 27 a year, and Gold, uh, Goldie's getting 26 a year. Votto right now is third because he's getting 25 a year, and then Olsen was at 21. So I was like, where's that sweet spot for Pete? Is he is he somewhere in the middle here? Is he above these guys? And I was just thinking, like, I think he kind of, I think he kind of fits in, you know, third. Like Votto's going to be out soon because uh, his contract's almost up, but the rest I think he's got, a, I think he's got two years now. Two years left. Um, but I want to say he's going to get somewhere around 25, maybe 26 a year, potentially. But the whole idea being, you know, some of those guys are are dual threats in that they can provide, you know, the offense uh, at, at a high clip, but they're also strong defenders. So that's kind of where Pete is. I don't want to say he's hurting because he. Pro- I think of all those guys, he provides the most power, which is what a lot of people want. You'll deal with a guy being a little bit of a butcher if, uh, if, it, if it affords you a guy who's going to give you 40 homers a year for the uh, foreseeable future. But yeah, I, I think Pete kind of fits in right below those guys on the per year. For me, I'm kind of teetering. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of in that 200 range, 195, anywhere between like 195 to 210. And I say a range because it seems as though I, I, I look at the Brendan Nimmo contract and I see that they were willing to probably add an extra year to try and, you know, uh, make things a little bit less. And I say that because you look at the other moves that this team team's probably going to try to make to try and make it all work because as much as Steve Cohen has all the money in the world, he still wants to have things proper when it comes to uh, a yearly payroll because look, I don't think he's going to have a payroll like this every single year. I think this is just yeah. something he had to do in order to get this team going and on the right track as they're trying to build everything from the you know from the from the ground up, really uh, hone in on that infrastructure. But yeah, I, I think Pete's going to fall into that you know anywhere from seven to nine years depending on the per year as well how they want to basically stretch the money. But I think he's going to be somewhere in that 195 to 210 range. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, so we're kind of similar, just 10 mil off. You're yeah. a little more on the higher range. Yeah, what's 10 million, right, between yeah. friends? <laughs> what's, 10, what's 10 million to uh, Steve Cohen, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... 
Well, I mean, obviously we both think this deal is going to get done. The Mets are proving they're willing to sign their homegrown talent. We mentioned that, especially this offseason. Nimmo, McNeil, the Mets front office. They're finally honoring the good play of their players and committed to awarding them these contracts. And that's a good thing. Uh, This has been such a breath of fresh air, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And the fact that you can actually, if you want to, go out and buy a jersey for someone that you like because you think, oh, they might actually sign them and keep them. I want them to give this jersey up. I was so unlucky. The amount of jerseys that I ended up buying and the guys ended up getting let go, whether it was Jose Reyes or Daniel Murphy or all these different players, now I can actually go out and I can get a Mimo jersey or I can get uh, a McNeil jersey. It's kind, of, it's kind of a nice feeling. You know, I don't get current player jerseys i will do the player t-shirts i will do those but i won't do the jerseys the jerseys i save for the legends you know i got my mike piazza jersey i got my gary carter jersey and i got a david wright jersey at the moment so i kind of just save and wait because you never know i i know that there was some korea jersey thing that was i I, I don't know you're opening up a can of worms on it if john (laughs) listens to this he's gonna he's gonna throw his phone all right we're not gonna talk about the korea jersey giveaway well well our guy um uh our guy darren from the uk he bought one already I, i i did see that he said that this was the one time that it was not absolute scenes zero scenes <laughs> on the Korea jersey uh but shout out to Darren he's always a good sport but yeah that that, that was funny but that was at his own discretion <laughs> not trying to gain followers and then do a whole do an entire thing oh man well before I let you go uh and before the train leaves the station here on subway to Shea a GM Billy Epler made some interesting statements to Anthony DeComo regarding Starling Marte who is recovering from core surgery said he wouldn't dismiss the notion that Marte might be limited at the start of spring training. He also didn't say no to the possibility that Marte could play for the Dominican Republic in the WBC. He's in a wait-and-see mode, which kind of, I I don't know, I scratched my head on that. He's not going to play in spring training, but he's going to play in WBC. I don't know. Uh, Are you at all worried about Starling Marte? Whenever it comes to a core injury like that and the fact that he, you know, the way, you know, it, it, it kind of tailored off from last year and how it affected the team and everything. Like I think over time, I think he's going to be fine. But when I hear, Oh yeah, he might miss a little, but he still might play at WBC. It's like, this is the time where usually I say like, I don't mind that players play in the WBC. I don't mind it that much. Granted, I don't want my players to get hurt for my favorite team um, because I want them to be good for the season uh, as opposed to the whole pride concept. But um, here I hope that, you know, cooler heads prevail and he says you know what it's a little tight maybe it's better off if i just i rest a little bit uh, a little bit more sprinkle in some spring training here and there go out there work out get a couple of at bats and then i'll be good though for the season i'm hoping that's the route that's chosen um but if he chooses to play in the wbc that goes to that, that at least tells us that he does feel healthy enough i just pray to god that he doesn't go out there and you know take one one over aggressive swing and um uh, and then we're back to square one again. Does this tournament worry you at all? Like, do the does it you know bother you that these players are playing in this tournament right before the season starts? I'm more worried in terms of pitchers that do it. 
That's the one that always bothers me. When it comes to hitters, look, I think sometimes it helps guys get to an earlier groove. Uh, the only thing that I worry about, like, like I can use Pete as an example. We looked at Pete in September this past season, and I think everyone would agree, like, the fact that we didn't have someone that could really back him up and give him a breather, he looked wiped. Yeah, him you and Lindor were gassed. They were, they had nothing. Like, and look, we love the fact that our guys play every day. They pride themselves. I know Lindor's a prideful guy. He wants to be out there every day. You love to see that in a ball player. But for Pete, it's like sometimes he needs a little bit of a breather. When you add in more ball, more serious ball being played at an earlier time, and then you're you know playing for a team with aspirations to play deep into October, it's like that's where I get a little bit worried. But for the most part, Again, world-class athletes, they know what they're doing. They know they know their bodies. So I, I'm not as worried because the majority of our players are from the offensive side. But if there is one thing I would be worried about, it's more so uh, the pitchers that participate. Look, I don't know if they are playing this injury close to the vest, but I thought he'd be 100% by spring training already. You know, the Mets are yeah. going to need Marte big time. We saw what happened without him in September. You know, this show, the show always comes full circle. We talked about it earlier with Marte and how important he was. I said he may be the best all-around hitter they have. You look at his season, 292 batting average. He had 16 home runs, 63 RBIs, scored 76 runs, stole 18 stolen bases, and that was on the lighter end because he had the quad issue for a while. There's right. no denying how how important Marte is to this lineup, equally as important as the rest. All right, Ibby, let everyone know where they can catch you on social media as well as plug your show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on it. It's always fun. People can find me on Twitter most of the time, and my handle is poison, P-O-I-S-O-N, underscore Ibby, I-B-D-Y. You can also follow the show that myself and John Sapinaro do, uh, at Till Mets Do Us Part. That's at, and then T-I-L, Mets Do Us Part. That's on Twitter as well as YouTube and Instagram. Uh, you can catch us there. Make sure you sub the channel to keep up on all the fun that we have on a weekly basis. Nothing this week, but on a weekly basis um, usually. So, yeah, that's basically that. And of course, if you're on Facebook as well, I know it's for the old people out there. But if you're on Facebook as well, we do have a Facebook group. Uh, it is private, but if you just send a request, I'll gladly let you in. And that goes by the same name, Till Match Do Us Part. Yeah, I've been thinking if I should do a Facebook or not. I know there are a lot of Facebook groups that they just yell at each other all the time or there's trolls in there kind of like what we get in twitter but i think to another extreme uh but even you know youtube i gotta get the youtube thing going i like to do some you know cross promoting and do some live streams and stuff and have you guys on so uh that'll be coming in the near future i can't thank you enough for joining and you already know my man you're coming on again at some point i always appreciate it it's always fun talking mess with you we'll be talking throughout the season you have me back on you whatever you ask i'll gladly jump out with you all right, Ibby, thanks again, my friend. I appreciate you. Anytime. That was Matt Ibby Ibanez, the co-host of Till Mets Do Us Part alongside John Sapinaro. Make sure you listen to their show wherever you listen to your podcasts and also catch their live streams on YouTube. It's a lot of fun. They interact with you and they'll listen to your comments. They'll take them and, you know, they'll answer them live on air. So please check it out. Uh, great having a good friend, and Matt A.B. Ibanez on again. And like I said, we'll do it again in the future. And that will wrap up this podcast, this episode of the Subway to Shea podcast. And you can follow Subway to Shea on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on your notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. 
If you're a new listener to this podcast, thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. If you've been a supporter this whole entire time, I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you. And because of you, Subway to Shays Global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So by going on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leaving me one to five stars or going to the comments section and leaving a little review, it'll help me to make this show better. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan side and network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. Make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan sided network at Fansided. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget. Listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Always remember, let's go Mets.